to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Here come the Astros, burning with desire. Here come the Astros, breathing orange fire. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, we celebrate the Astros' fifth straight trip to the ALCS and a White Sox beatdown. Plus a couple of quick thoughts on the Rockets' last couple of preseason games. But before we fire it up, a quick reminder, we're brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Not only is BetUS the place to bet on all your favorite sports, but in just a few minutes, we're going to remind you, as we always do, about our exclusive discount that we've got. It's a way to save money, support our show, and maybe help you listeners, eh, maybe help you get a little bit of holiday spending money if you do things right. More on that soon, but let's get it rolling with my co-host and regular sidekick, a joyous right now fellow H-Town sports junkie and a veteran journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, the Astros outscored the White Sox. 31 to 18 in the series, averaging nearly eight runs a game. The offense put on a clinic, man. Yeah, and and I'm a little puzzled, Robert, because I thought that the, their offense couldn't hit on the road as, like they can at home because of all the uh, sketchy things going on. Obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> not in game. Not in this game, baby. Sorry, sorry, White Sox. Sorry, Houston boy. That's making all these accusations that were not founded at all on any facts this year. I mean, that's just. I don't, you know, it's funny, Stephen, because here's a guy that you pitch a couple of innings and the the broadcasters made a great point in this game. Why why kick a sleeping dog? Why would you do that? Yeah, you would think, Robert, of all the years of, of sports and how, I mean, I know players are desperate to try to get something going. And I, he probably just said it off the cuff because that's how he really feels. But, you know, why do you give a team bulletin board material? Do they even keep bulletin boards in locker rooms anymore? But anyway... Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. And it, it's not like this was Mike Fires who used to play for the Astros. You know, just because the guy grew up in Houston doesn't mean he knew exactly what was going on. You know, the only thing that would have been great, Robert, is if they had been able to tee off on Ryan Tapera and really hit him hard. But the fact is they won the game, and I'd rather they win the game and not hit that great against Tapera than the other way around. So all in all, the Astros still got even. Yeah, let's move on from some of their hate, and let's just – bask in this a little bit i mentioned off the top five straight american league championship series you know this is incredible steven coming off of three 100 loss seasons a franchise that in its first 42 years went to what was it two league championship series total in the first 42 years of the astros yeah yeah and i always wondered robert just because of all the many lean years that me and you and, and so many other astros fans had to put up with I always wondered, you know, because there are only two other teams that have gone to five straight or more LCSs. And, of course, the Atlanta Braves did it in the 90s and the Oakland A's did it in the 70s. But I always wondered, just like, do you ever get tired of this? Do you ever get tired of winning year after year, going to the league championships or going to so many World Series? I don't know about you, Robert, but I'm not the least bit tired of it. Let's just keep this thing going year after year. How about it? The Astros do it so often, their celebration was just, hey, let's shake some hands. It looked like they had just won a regular season game in, in July. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I noticed that too, is uh, the, the celebration was more of, yeah, we've been there, done that. And I don't know that that's a bad thing, Robert, because really th this team needs to stay focused. And yeah, it's you know another three days until the uh, Red Sox series begins. But I don't think in any way it's because the Astros are tired of it. I just think they're focused. I think they're on a mission 
you know, Carlos Correa, of course, is probably his swan song with the Astros, as we probably know. So, yeah, and some people may be concerned, like, man, why aren't you guys happier? Well, I, I just think it's it's more of a case of, okay, let's just, you know, keep the business-like approach and let's move on to the next one. Last time you and I spoke, we thought there was going to be a game on Monday afternoon. So a couple of real quick thoughts. Number one, I feel like the Astros uh, didn't have any momentum going into that Monday game. It would have been an early start. The rain helped them in that matter. But what I want to get your thought on, Stephen, before the game, we didn't know who was going to be the starter early yesterday. We didn't know if they were going to continue to go with their key or if he was going to try to start Lance McCullers. Now, Lance McCullers gets the start. What did you think about that? Because there's a couple of different ways to look at it. What, what were your thoughts on McCullers getting the start in this one as opposed to saving him for game five? No, I was leaning toward McCullers just because he was on full day's rest. Now, if it obviously, if he'd been one day less, if they had played that game on Monday, then Urquidy would have would have gone, certainly. But I, I didn't have a problem with it. Now, obviously, if it had backfired, well, you know, then I guess you would have had to start Fromber. But then you really would have been in trouble because the Red Sox series starts on Friday. If you win game five, you know, you've got both your pitchers that you've used up. So it could have gone either way, but I really didn't have a problem with with, uh, Lance McCullers starting this game. The only scary thing is if McCullers couldn't get the win, like you said, it goes to Fromber. The other part that you got to factor in is what about Lance McCullers now? Because you don't have him for game one or two. I mean, Dusty... Only had him throw 73 pitches in this one. He took him out a little bit early. We're going to get to that decision a little bit later. But, Stephen, now you've got him for game three, and you you probably don't have him again unless there's a game seven, right? Yeah, probably, and and that's true, Robert. I mean, I would think that as far as game one, you go with Fromber, obviously. But, yeah, game two is definitely going to be a problem because McCullers, you, you wouldn't have him available on Saturday. And I just, gosh, there are just so many different ways that this thing could go. I thought he took him out a bit early, but, you know, as I began thinking about it, it's like, well, yeah, but maybe that is a reason that he could be at least used in game two if he needed to be. Yeah, I don't know if you want to take that chance. Game two would be what, Friday? Game one is Friday, so game two would be Saturday. So that's uh, what? So he'd have three days rest, basically. Three days rest is a little bit tight. I I, I just, I don't like three days rest. You look at uh, Lance McCullers' numbers, the longer he gets off, even five, six days rest, the ERA goes down and down and down. And just in the playoffs, three days rest, I don't like it. And and I just, I, yeah, I don't see a scenario where he's going to be pitching in game two. No, and I think in, in that case, then you have to go with Urquidy in game two. And my biggest concern about Urquidy is that the fact that he didn't even pitch this entire series. So, you know, how rusty is he going to be when you throw him in, you know, whenever that happens? Let's go through this game a little bit, and it starts off not so good for the Astros. Missed opportunity in the first inning. Altuve on third, one out. Bregman strikes out. Couldn't get him in with less than two two out. And then bottom of the second, Gavin Sheets hits the home run. Not a terrible pitch by McCullers. Pretty good slider on the outside part of the plate. Just a good swing on a tough pitch. The other story, though, about that play, of course, Jake Myers, who bangs his shoulder up on the outfield wall. Myers, great effort, barely missed catching it. And from the angle on the replay, it looked like it was just to the left of his glove, not over his glove. So he had a real shot at it, but big picture, Steven, that injury frustrating because it could cost the Astros Myers for the rest of the playoffs. Don't know what that injury is going to look like if it's a separated shoulder. or I mean, we're just talking right after the game. So who knows? Yeah, that is a concern, Robert. And here's the thing is that, you know, if, if they have to replace him, 
you know, if like let's say the Astros had lost today and they had to replace Myers, you know, for the rest of this series, he wouldn't be able to go in the ALCS. So, you know, he would have to wait until the Astros make the World Series. So, yeah, it is a concern. We're just going to have to keep an eye on it. But what an effort he made, you know, and not only that is that he was bound and determined to stay in the game. And you can probably notice he was trying to throw a baseball just to see if he could. And apparently he told Dusty Baker, you know, not too long after he came out that whenever he tried to throw more than 50 percent, his shoulder felt like it was giving out. But the guy even tried to stay in the game I and mean, he, he did not want to come out. It was obvious. And who would? I mean, it's the playoffs. But, you know, fortunately, cooler heads prevailed <laughs> and they got him out. But, yeah, that's just an injury we're going to have to keep an eye on. But it's, it's such a shame because he played such a great ALDS and almost made the really the, one of the greatest catches that you'll ever see. It's also nice to see that you've got Marwin in the bag, you know, behind him and as somebody that's a veteran, but also Jose Siri, you know, just ha- nice having him around because you still had a pinch runner if you needed him in this game. And then with Siri, you've got somebody that you, you could use in a pinch if Myers isn't ready to go in the ALCS. Yeah, that's right. And the way it's been going, I mean, you know, Jake Myers has had a good series. McCormick had a good series. So you would think, you know, maybe Jose Siri could work his way in there. And uh, having Marwin, yeah, you can't beat that. Man, how great would that be to have him on a playoff roster for the Astros again this year? But, of course, you know, they have the taxi squad traveling with the team at all times now. So anything could happen. And, you know, getting back to those first couple of innings, Robert, it was obvious that Rodon, uh, he came out throwing heat. I mean, he had that elevated fastball going near 99, 10 of his first 12 pitches for strikes. But I remember thinking after that first inning, Man, he's not going to be able to go very long because his health has been a big question mark all season. He hasn't had the velocity that he's been known for. And so, you know, in the second inning, he comes out and he doesn't quite throw quite as many fastballs. But you just knew it was probably a matter of time that if the Astros could just get going, they could knock Radon out early. And that's exactly what they did. So top of the third, after two walks and a hit by pitch, Correa, two-run double, Boy, what a great swing. An incredible swing by Correa on a fastball up and a little in to get his hands above the baseball. Just hits a laser into the corner. That also knocked Rodon out of the game, just as you were saying, Stephen. And by the way, Correa, 54 career postseason RBIs after that, tying him with Albert Pujols for the most all-time among active players. Sixth most all-time in history, most all-time in history. But remember, you know, there's a lot more rounds than there used to be. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? It, it's a toss-up. You know, who do you call the Astros' Mr. October? Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve? You, you take your pick. You're, you're not wrong with either one of those guys. But Correa just, once again, coming through, just like he's been doing. And so did Altuve later. Don't forget the Connecticut crush either, George Springer. Yeah, that's right. Good. Yeah, he was pretty good too. Yeah, t- top of the fourth. Tucker steals second and third base with nobody out after a single. He becomes the first Astros player with multiple stolen bases in a postseason inning. Uh, They were running on Grandal, and then Machete gets his first hit of the series. Look at Martin. Man, you talk about timing and just how things go with, you know, getting your first hit of the series. You wait until a critical moment. That's just one of the many reasons that the machete is so valuable. And listen, Robert, I've said this multiple times on the podcast. Kyle Tucker may not have Jose Siri, Jake Myers speed, 
But I maintain that Kyle Tucker is the smartest base runner the Astros have. You know, base running isn't always about speed. It's about timing, about reading the pitchers. And and he obviously was reading Kopech's delivery, that, and he was paying absolutely no attention to him. Not only to have the confidence to run once, but twice, take two bases, you know, in the same at-bat. I mean, this is to me why Kyle Tucker is the smartest base runner on the Astros team, and he certainly proved it this afternoon. Got to give it up for the guys on the broadcast because Bregman comes up and and he's swinging 3-0. He gets the batting practice fastball. The guy said, don't give in to Bregman. I, I know it looks like you, you don't want to face your Don, but you, you just can't give him something easy to hit. And sure enough, he puts it into the gap, scoring two runs, five to one Astros right there. And what's funny, Robert, is that Bregman very rarely swings on a 3-0 count. I mean, that's not something he does typically. So he obviously got a pitch to hit and made it count. So that, that was what was really incredible about is it was on a 3-0 pitch, as you said, but he doesn't typically swing on those pitches. All right, we're going to do a little bit of a stretch here for Astros. We're going to take a break. And we got to go over to our friends at BetUS.com because they have the Colts favored by 10 over the Texans. What? Ooh. Davis Mills? You're going to disrespect him like that? The Colts might be the home team, Stephen. Probably have more talent, but still, come on. Don't respect Davis Mills like that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Maybe they're just banking on the fact that the Colts are so mad because they lost in overtime. I'm not sure. But, yeah, again, kind of shaking our head at the, at the point spread here. But I don't know. The Texans being on the road again, It's maybe that's the whole key is that they've got to play better on the road, certainly. Uh, they didn't lose the game this past Sunday because of David Mills, as you said. Don't forget the Texans and the Colts. They're tied. They're, they both got one win. The Colts struggling, you know, maybe injuries playing more of a factor for them. Obviously, like I said, they've got a ton more talent. They've, they've had a load of injuries defensively, offensively, offensive line, you know, every, everything. But I don't think everybody's going to be healthy next week either. No, they're not. And, uh, you know, I, I think... Part of it is that, you know, maybe the odds makers just believe, oh, that was one game. He's going to have to show us more than that because that's kind of how I feel, Robert. Yeah, it was a great game that Davis Mills played, but I need to see more of that. You know, I need to see more consistency. That To me, that was a bounce-back game for him. It couldn't have gotten much worse. So the fact that he played way over his head in that game, you know, if he can at least play a decent game or even better, then the Texans could easily beat that point spread. I'm not so big into betting the house on the Texans on any game this year, but the Aggies are favored by nine over my Missouri Tigers. Take it from somebody who's seen a lot of both of these teams. Give up the points. Take the Aggies. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Were you a little surprised how low the point spread was, Robert? Oh, my goodness. I mean, the, the Missouri Tigers offensively, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Yes, I will be shocked if there's any way in the world that the Tigers can cover this. So uh, if you want to bet on that game, anything in college football or the NFL, do it with our sponsor, BetUS.com, because you might as well use a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. I mean, man, this this is like, they are like the Astros of uh, sports books because um, they've been doing this for three decades, a long time, just like the Astros uh <laughs> They've looked like over the last few years, they're a pioneer in the sports book industry, a diehard customer fan base, easy to use mobile platform. You can bet on football, but any sport really just so much. Go to the website, man. It's incredible. 
Uh, BetUS.com. Call 800-792-3887. 800-79-BETUS. And we can save you money when you sign up. The promo code HST125. Mark it down. Look in our show description. It's right there. It redeems you 125% sign-up bonus on your initial $100 deposit. HST125 is the promo code. To help our podcast, use the BetUS link on our pinned post at the top of our Twitter page or go to our website and click on the BetUS icon. It's HoustonSportsTalk.net is our website. If you want to tell our friends about the podcast or about BetUS, just tell them to go to HoustonSportsTalk.net and get your online and social betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid and the Astros were trying to get paid in the postseason Stephen because uh, they were on a roll they're up five to one pick it up in the fifth inning and then Dusty takes out Lance McCullers after 30 73 pitches for this Yimmy Garcia guy do you remember Stephen what I texted you when we found out game four was postponed yes I do you said Yimmy Garcia will be fresh <laughs> and and you weren't talking about his attitude you were talking about his arm so yeah uh, and that was the thing that worried me. I was like, oh, yeah, Yemi Garcia is fresh. You know I'm not a fan of him, Robert. But lo and behold, what does he do? He comes in and gets a 1-2-3 inning. How about that? I think every Astros fan was at, at first in panic and then in shock that he gets a, How many times have we seen a 1-2-3 inning by anybody recently? Well, and you said it. You said it the other day, as a matter of fact. Yeah, how many times have we seen a, a relief pitcher for the Astros get a 1-2-3 inning? And here comes Yemi Garcia who has done virtually nothing since he came over to the Astros. He's the one that gets a one, two, three inning. Yeah. And another reliever that we weren't expecting much from in the playoffs. He did pretty well. And we're going to talk about him in a second, but let's go to the top of the six because Brantley, who's been struggling a bunch, gets it together at this point in the game. He singles in McCormick. Uh, He comes up with another RBI single in the eighth inning Neither singles ropes, but the metronome is the metronome. And if you don't know, you would know if you listen to our podcast. We call him the metronome because he is that consistent and it's that easy for him. The professional hitter does his thing and it's nice to get Brantley going. Yeah, and we also call him Uncle Mike for a very good reason. And he now has a 15-game hitting streak in the postseason, which of course goes back to game one of the ALDS last year. So, yep, Uncle Mike, when you need him to come through, Robert, just, you know, when you think he's he's down, he just keeps coming back. And this time he came through again. Except for my nieces, everybody else's favorite uncle is Uncle Mike. And yeah. Okay. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's talk about Phil Maton because not only did Yimmy come through, but he had one of the easiest innings in the bottom of the six by an Astros reliever that I've seen not named Ryan Presley. I mean, he just went through it like nothing, and then he gets a couple outs to start the next inning. You know, he gives up a base hit right there, and and that was the end of his outing. But, man, those two guys, who would have guessed that they would come through for the out? Who would have guessed that Dusty would have thrown them in this game? Yeah, absolutely. And if you just – if you noticed, Phil Maton just – he looked confident. He looked composed. He, He didn't look rattled, and that's a big deal. You know, this is the playoffs. Your heart rate's bound to go up. Phil Maton, he just, he just looks so cool, calm, and collected out there. And, yeah, it, it was, I think, the, the hardest hit ball in that inning was a Grandal when he lined to left. But other than that, you know, the strikeout of Jimenez, and then he, uh, of course, got the uh, first batter out of Breu to, to ground out. So 
great performances by the two pitchers, Robert, that you and I, you know, were whining and moaning about even being on the roster only because they had no choice. Was there anything else from the game itself that you wanted to throw out there before we sort of t- start talking about the the big picture of the series and then coming up with the Red Sox, anything else? Well, I was just glad that at least in this game, the Astros did manage to take the White Sox crowd out of it and keep them out. You know, they almost did it in game uh, three, but uh, couldn't quite do it. But I just think, you know, they. I just want to thank the Lord for bringing the rain on Monday because I really believe it was to the Astros' advantage. You said it earlier. They didn't have the momentum going into Monday. That rain delay really helped the Astros, in my opinion, in more ways than one, just because it set up the pitching matchup that you wanted. You, you wanted McCullers in there. Yeah, he wasn't as sharp, but he didn't totally cave in. So he gave you what you needed, and the Astros won the game, only gave up one run. So, yeah, I, I felt really good about the fact that when the rain came, I, I was actually relieved, Robert. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, yep, let's just wait till the next day. It, it's more in favor of the Astros, and that's exactly what happened. We got to get back to the lineup when we talk about this series because the numbers that these guys threw up there and outside of Yuli Gurriel, who struggled a little bit, his OPS in the series was about 340, but he, you know, he even contributed. He was two for five in this one. Maybe he can get it turned, turned right going into the next series. But if you start looking through this lineup, Altuve's OPS in the series over 1100 Brantley's, you know, even with not, being great in the series, he still was around 800. Alex Bregman was close to 900. Jordan Alvarez was around 1100 in the series. Uh, Correa over a thousand. Kyle Tucker at a thousand exactly. Jake Myers was really good. Uh, Chaz McCormick 900 OPS in the series. I mean, except for Yuli and of course Martin Maldonado, we know what what he's going to do behind the plate. Man, you couldn't ask for anything more from these guys. Well, you know you've got something when you can just flip flop near the bottom of your lineup. You, you could switch around Correa, Guriel, Tucker. You know, five, six, seven, and and then you had you know until he got hurt, and hopefully he can come back and do it some more. Was Jake Myers? He was dangerous in this series. I mean. You're really living right when you can just flip-flop your lineup in the middle or the bottom, and it doesn't really matter who you put in there. So it's just pretty incredible. I mean, we've talked about how great this Astros offense is, but one of the other things, Robert, that jumped out to me, especially in this game four, is how many two-strike counts they had and they got hits, and, of course, throughout the series, how many two-out hits they got. You know, they stubbed their toe in game three, but that was it. They came back and they took care of business, but it's those two-out or two strike count hits that, you know, things like that. When you can hit like that and make those pitchers work and then really make them lose their confidence when they struggle, that is what the Astros are good at. And if they can do that in the Red Sox series, oh boy, look out. Two strike hits, two out hits. It doesn't surprise you, does it, Steve? I mean, this is who they are. Yeah, this is this is what we talked about all year. Well, really the last few years when this Astros lineup is right and we weren't sure what it was going to be with George Springer, you know, leaving. We did think, but even with him out, we knew they still had a great lineup. And this season and the postseason so far is at least bearing that out. It is time to change your White Sox out for Red Sox. It is also time for maybe some Alex Cora revenge. I thought we were going to get the Rays, but the Red Sox, shocking the Rays. We kind of asked for the Red Sox, but do we want the Red Sox now, Steve? <laughs> Well, to tell you what, Robert, when you get this deep in the playoffs, 
it really doesn't matter. We have our sentimental choices just because we're fans and, you know, we're broadcasters and we follow the team. But I don't think the players care. They just want to be in the ALCS, and that's where they are. Uh, something that's interesting, I mean, there are going to be plenty of storylines in this series, just like there were in in the uh, ALDS. But one of them for me, Robert, and John McClain tweeted this out, and I kind of piggybacked on it and quoted the tweet. You know, he's saying, so who are the Yankees going to root for, uh, root for, the hated Red Sox or the more hated Astros? And I tweeted out, well, which fans are going to yell cheater the loudest, Astros fans or Red Sox fans? Because you said yeah, it, yeah. Alex Cora. <laughs> it's going to be interesting how the national media tries to frame this because there's, oh, the Astros are cheaters. Well, wait a second. Didn't Alex Cora get suspended for a year? Didn't they do a lot of the same things? Wasn't Alex Cora on the Astros? Hello, 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 when they supposedly were cheating. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be super interested in how New York fans, but more importantly, how the New York-centric, East Coast-centric media try to frame this because, uh, hey, we know what happened. It's all on record. Well, that's right. And it's funny. I guess, you know, usually if you're the first one to get caught made the example of, that's who everybody's going to keep falling back on. And look, you know, we, we talked about the Tapera comments and, and all of this. It's it's not fair, perhaps, for the guys who were not with the Astros when the cheating scandal happened. But the fact of the matter is, this is going to follow the Astros no matter what. I mean, if, if you're still talking about the Black Sox scandal with the Chicago White Sox of 1919, 100-plus years later, this is what the Astros are just going to have to face. But the good thing, Robert, is, you know what, it, I think, sure, it bothers them. But they're not letting it bother them to the point where they're caving in. And at least through this first series, they're showing that, you know, they're just shrugging it off. and They're going out and doing the only thing they can do to shut everybody up. And that's just keep winning. Any other thoughts before we head into the Red Sox series? Because uh, you know what? I I'm looking forward to this. It should be fun. And I'm a little scared because I'm still not super confident in the Astros pitching. I mean, I, I, I love the way Lance McCullers pitched in this series. Everybody else with the staff outside of Ryan Presley, it's it's still a little scary going into a series with the Red Sox hitters this hot. Well, it gets a little scarier now, Robert, because you have a seven-game series as opposed to a five-game series. So the longer it goes, the more than can go wrong if you want to look at it from a pessimistic point of view. You know, and then the other question becomes, all right, so who do you change on your roster as far as the pitchers go? Do you put somebody like an Odorizzi in there who at least can give you some innings. He may not be used to coming out of the bullpen, but can give you some innings, you know, or, or something like that. And and what do you do? Do you keep cranky in the bullpen? And so those are the things that, you know, they're obviously going to have to figure out in the next couple of days. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm just not, I'm not going to be sold on this Astros pitching until this postseason is over, you know, regardless of what happens. I mean, if they win the world series with it, then I guess we can sit back and relax. But until then, I, in fact, I, I put in my notes, Robert, as soon as McCullers came out as early as he did, I think I put in my notes, well, we're leaving it up to the Astros bullpen. Better hold your breath. Okay, so the Astros had 12 pitchers in this series. It's typical to maybe add a pitcher going into the ALCS because there's two more games. So if that's the case, they really need to know where Myers is because now you're taking away one of your bench guys. And if Myers isn't 100%, can you trust him? And then what do you do? What Do you go with uh, Marwin um, or do you go with Jose Siri? Because I still, like I've said, when this whole thing started, the whole postseason started, I trust Marwin way more if we're talking about at the plate. 
I trust Siri as somebody that maybe can give you some explosive factor on the base paths, which maybe that's more what you need from him. Uh, does Garrett Stubbs, is is he the odd guy out maybe in, in that situation? Maybe Garrett Stubbs isn't playing because you're not sure what the situation is with Jake Myers. Because, you know, if, if he's like so-so, I think you got to go with him because, you know, he, he's got speed and you can still do that. Even with a bum shoulder, he can still be a pinch runner and do those sorts of things. And he's still a great base dealer. Yeah, I have to tend to, to lean toward the runners here, Robert, at, you know, because as much as I would love to see Marwin come in, and I've said that before, he's kind of my, he's my sentimental guy being, you know, from the postseason of 2017. But, you know, if you're looking at, if you're going to have close games, you want to have the speed in there maybe even defensive replacements if you need them in the later innings. I would tend to go with somebody like Siri or Myers. Obviously, if he's healthy, you're going to keep him because of the way he, he performed in the ALC, uh, DS. He didn't disappoint. So, yeah, I have to think I have to lean to one of those two guys over somebody like Marwin or Garrett Stubbs. Okay, before we get out, we, we got to talk a little bit about the fun Rockets who haven't looked so fun in the last couple of preseason games. And what scares me mo- the most is, is how poorly the backcourt tandem has played, Stephen. My Kevin Porter cynicism hasn't wavered. He turns the ball over. He's not a good shooter. Shows a real lack of focus. He's got Harden's size and body. I get the infatuation from Rockets Twitter and Rockets fans, but he also has Harden's lack of focus. And what he doesn't have is Harden's offensive game or ability to consistently draw fouls. And he's the guy that's running the show. He's the brains behind the operation. And the Rockets are having real difficulty, Stephen, getting out of the gates quickly in these games. A lot of that has to do with Porter and his ability to set the offense up and be a leader and be somebody that's focused and, and really get everything going. And, and that's a problem. Yeah, I just think you're asking a lot for your point guard to be a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. to, to put all this on him when we've talked so much about the past that as talented as he is, it's all in his head is to try to get it straight. And as much as, you know, I, I know the Rockets are looking to trade John Wall and, you know, you, you're going to get what you get from John Wall. But I just sometimes feel like you you want somebody in there that at least has got some experience that can help you hang on, you know, until you can get somebody better. That's just my sentimental thing there. I understand what the circumstances are. But I think we know, Robert, going in, it's going to be a long season. The Rockets are in rebuilding mode. As exciting as it is to watch these young guys they're going to be making plenty of mistakes. And I, yeah, I just think Kevin Porter Jr. To, to rely on him as your captain of the floor, so to speak, is just asking a lot for this team. And I know it's preseason and you, you don't want to get too down or, or too up about it. But this is what we've seen from KPJ in the past. And I don't see that changing moving forward. You know, it just suddenly has a miraculous turnaround. Two things that they're going to really miss from John Wall. They're going to miss the, the leadership, like I said, and also his ability to push the pace because with all the conversation about, man, this team, they're so young and they can run up and down the floor. If you don't have a point guard that can push the pace, it really doesn't matter. So if you like to see them win, I think John Wall would be better, but it's not about winning. It's developing guys and losing means that, you know, maybe you're a little higher in the lottery, you get another good pick, but frankly, I'm not about losing. So you know, I, I'm not so sure I wouldn't like to see John Wall out there starting, but Kevin Porter getting obviously a bunch of playing time. And I still think you could do that. I just feel like, you know, maybe having John Wall around would would help a little bit. Just you want to get this team to where they know 
how to be in the right spots on the floor and, and do those sorts of things. Yeah, that's why I'd say, Wall, you know, if he could just stick here, if they would just play him, I think it would be better in the long run. But obviously, that's not what they're leaning toward. So this is, unfortunately, I think this is what we're going to see a lot more of. And, you know, the transition defense hasn't been very good. And that's obviously going to be a problem, you know, moving forward through the season. So you just hope that the Rockets will just keep playing and, and fighting hard. I mean, it's going to be a long season if you keep losing, you know, like they did last year. You only played 70 games. Well, now you're going to be playing a full 82. So it's going to be even harder. And then just keeping guys healthy throughout the season. I'm trying to be optimistic, Robert, because I know, you know, like you, I know you're you're a big basketball fan. You were even at one of the preseason games the other day and got a chance to see him up close. But it's just, it, let's be honest, it's going to be a long season with this team. Yeah, that's another reason why I, I just wanted to talk about Kevin Porter because I, I watched him a lot and I saw that lack of focus that I saw last year and I wanted to see in person, you know, the stuff that you can't always see, the camera pick up, what's going on. And I said it was the, the, not only... Uh, him, but the backcourt tandem has played poorly. Jalen Green isn't showing all the offensive skills I thought he'd bring. I'm still excited about I mean, it's early. It's three preseason games, but most of his game has been taking three-pointers off the dribble. I'm not seeing the drives. I'm not seeing you know, him maybe taking a guy into the post or do some other things. Defensively, he's even worse than I thought, uh, which I, I wasn't expecting much from him. I know everybody else was just so down on him, but I thought the athleticism would be a factor, but he can't stop anybody. And the problem is when I, when I'm watching him, Steven, he's just getting bully balled. Guys are just out physically him and he's a guard and he's still getting just, you know, they just take him down and just take it to the basket. And not only does he not compete with them on a physical standpoint, but he's also having issues where guys are getting by him very easily. And with somebody with the kind of quickness, and the lateral movement that he has, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, the defense is definitely a problem. And, and I would definitely like to see him drop more inside game from Jalen Green. And we saw a little bit of it in the summer league, but we're, we're seeing more of him taking shots outside and uh, coming up empty. So, you know, th there's going to be a lot of evaluation for him throughout the season. He's going to make more mistakes, and you just hope he can kind of settle in and start showing more of the flashes that we got excited about when the Rockets drafted him. Okay, I got a question for you. Uh, two questions for you. Number one, who do you think is the Rockets' best player right now? And number two, who do you think I think is the Rockets' best player right now? <laughs> oh, all right. I mean, the, the easy choice would just say, you know, the, the players that they that they drafted, Jalen Green would be the one you'd want. That that would be the sentimental choice. That's who I would, would want it to be. Uh, you know, to be honest, I watched in their entirety the entire preseason schedule with the Rockets like you have I've caught bits and pieces um so you know somebody like uh Sengun has shown some flashes there you go you know Christopher yeah Sengun is, is he's the guy that you know you, you keep kind of thinking he's he might be the one to spring forward and be the surprise of, well I don't know if you call it the surprise of the team but uh, certainly a, a pleasant spot for the team. Yeah, I, that's mine. That's mine. I, I don't know where you are with what you think. I mean, I, you could put Christian Wood as the best player on this team. And I think a lot of people might say Christian Wood's the best player. But watching these games, Shangun, I feel like right now is the Rockets' best player because of a couple of things. Number one, 
He plays defense and offense, which there's not too many guys on the Rockets that can do both of those things. Jay Sean Tate's one of the other few guys that has that capability. But the other thing about Shangoon, he just makes everybody better. His passing ability, his finding you know screens in the offense, screening guy for other guys, but also he doesn't hang on to the basketball. A lot of guys on the Rockets just they get the basketball in their hands and it's not hot potato, but Shangoon if he gets a chance, he's going to try to move move it, try to get it to somebody else. And I, I just feel like he's playing more team basketball than anybody else with the most talent and his size. And you factor in the fact that uh, the Rockets are not a good rebounding team overall, but Shangun is already showing it he can rebound. And, and he fights every single time the ball goes up, both for offensive and defensive rebounds. Uh, he, he's my best player on the Rockets right now. That, that That's surprising to me for a team that's got a Brand new four guys, including the second pick of the draft and Kevin Porter and Christian Wood, but a Shangoon. Well, I think one of the reasons the Rockets got Shangoon is because of the rebounding ability. I mean, he does definitely make that game better. I need to see more consistency from Christian Wood. I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't lean toward him as being the Rockets' best player. I just I need to see him do it more night in, night out. Obviously, staying healthy would go a long way toward that, but I don't see the consistency. And yeah, he'd be the the easy choice, I guess, when you talk about longevity and how long he's been with the team compared to these other guys. But yeah, Shingun, I'd say, is the one that we keep hearing more and more about. So right now, I'd have to agree with you. I have to say that that, that's who it is, and it may change as the season goes on. But really like what I've seen, especially on the rebounding end from Shingun. One more observation that I have after watching the Rockets for three games, the front court that I want to see start the season because... I, I am not a big fan of Daniel Tice. If you follow my Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. And I feel like Shane Goon and Jay Sean Tate should be starting with Christian Wood in the front court because they are the best combination offense, defense. Uh, I, I know Tate's outside shot isn't Daniel House or Eric Gordon or whatever, but when you don't have guards that can really cover anybody, play defense, to have... Tate, Shangun, and Christian Wood out there, three guys that can give you a little bit on the defensive end, which I, you know, frankly, I think Tice's defense is overrated coming in. So I'm not a big fan of that. I, I definitely don't want to see Daniel House, who's not looked good on either end of the floor. And Eric Gordon, he's good at keeping guys in front of him on defense. He's got that lower body strength, so he can do that. But, you know, I'd rather have Jay Sean Tate out there. Also, he's he's the future. You know, you want to see the future out there. And let, let's Let's watch Jay Sean Tate instead of Eric Gordon. I still like Eric Gordon in the rotation and pretty quickly off the bench, of course, but that's my starting front court. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you, Robert, because I, I don't feel confident, you know, and in, in certainly in, in Tice. I think he's more of a backup player, really. And, you know, as far as Daniel House, I've been disenchanted with him for quite some time. You talk about somebody that isn't consistent and you don't know what you're getting from him. But what I like about Jay Sean Tate, you know, not only with, from the defensive things you were talking about, his intensity lends a lot to this team. He showed a lot of hustle last year. And I just, yeah, I, I think he's a better answer inside. If you could just get some chemistry with those guys, then I, I, it at least would make the Rockets' front court look a little better, particularly on defense, but in all the other aspects of the game. Had to get out some emotions on the Rockets because, you know, we're not going to have a ton of chances to talk the Rockets over the next <laughs> few days with, with the Astros post games and stuff. We're going to have our next Astros post game. We'll be I'm thinking it's going to be game two on Saturday because on Friday I've got to do my other real job. <laughs> I've got to do a little work there. But we've been just been so busy and we're not going to have a chance to just 
do like a generic show or whatever between the Texans post games and the Astros post games. You know so. what? That's a good thing. That that's a good thing because that means the Astros are still in the playoffs. They're still winning. So we'll take that for sure. We'll definitely take that. And and I hope everybody is enjoying it. I hope you're telling everybody that you know about what's going on. And just a quick reminder before we finish it up that if you're looking to make a little spending money wagering on college football, the NFL, or any sport, again, our sponsor, BetUS.com. That's where you go, America's favorite sports book. When you use it, HST125 is the promo code that you want to put in there when you start off because if you do, you redeem 125% sign-up bonus on your initial $100 deposit. If you forget... Look for the promo code in the show description of all of our shows these days. And to help our podcast, sign up using either the BetUS link on our pinned Twitter post at the top of our page or go to our website, HoustonSportsTalk.net, and click on the BetUS icon. Until next time, oh, go Strohs! Listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Here come the Astros number one every time. Go!